happy Thursday, April 16th, and welcome back, motherfuckers, to the MM Altogether Podcast. This is your host, Blake Abedes, and thanks again for coming back. We've got a great episode for you today uh, with a good pal of mine and fitness expert, Milton Alvarez. Such a really interesting dude. He's got a lot of great things to say. We interviewed for damn near two and a half hours, so I know my episodes are a little bit shorter. I actually am breaking out our interview into two separate episodes. Today's episode, we talk a lot about his journey through fitness and how he got involved into being a fitness professional. I'm really excited that you're here tuning in. Uh, For our friend Milton Alvarez, I'm also excited we are debuting a new segment in this episode called Deep Cuts. Uh, What Deep Cuts is going to be like, it's a story that we're going to hear from all my guests uh, that was an integral part in their life that they don't necessarily tell all the time or tell everyone when... You know, they're they're telling you about their defining moments and then that's accompanied with with a with a song. And I'm going to make a Spotify. I've actually already made the Spotify playlist, working on getting it up on Apple Music as well, called MM Altogether Dash Deep Cuts. And it's gonna feature a playlist of all the songs that all my guests find to be very inspiring and that they drive motivation from. So feel free to like and follow those playlists. Um on both the Apple Music and Spotify platforms. I think the Apple Music platform ain't up yet, so kudos to my Spotify listeners because I got you covered there. Um, We're going to dive right into it. I hope you enjoy what you have to hear with me and Milton. Thanks again. And now, it's time for your Tale of the Tape. Coming in from the other side of his computer monitor, wherever Zoom interviews are had, we have Milton Alvarez with a reach of 1,540 followers. What's going on, guys? My name is Milton Alvarez. I am the founder of the Chicago Hole Project, and I'm also a coach for UFC Gym as well as an online fitness professional. Uh, If you guys want to follow me or add me on Facebook, Find me at Milton M. Alvarez or on Instagram at Milton12MA. So it's Milton, the number 12, and MA at the end. Like going back to when I first started jujitsu and being you in there, like I was just listening to a Joe Rogan podcast. And it's like, man, you go to the gym and you're like, oh man, so and so's got to be there. Like I got to turn it up to compete with them. And that was you to me for like the first couple months. Like you just fucking brought the heat. And I was like, man, I got to go in there because like I know Milton's going to fucking handle me. Man, right now at the point that we're at, man, I'm pretty sure you can whoop my ass on the mat, man. I haven't trained whatsoever since I started working here. That's taking away so much time from my training, man. I haven't stepped foot on there since probably uh, since you moved. Yeah, I bust your balls about it, but I miss it. Yeah, but I mean, you got your own things to do. You're a because you do a lot of like personals in terms of the fitness, or do you handle striking? Yeah, so uh, with me here, uh, one of the things that I try to uh, portray is. It's overall fitness, man. I, I try to meet my clientele right where they're at. Um, due to the experience that I have of doing this for almost, what, 10, 11 years now, it's allowed me to meet people of all backgrounds, you know, and I've worked with general population of just a, an average, you know, average Joe trying to gain or, or not lose some weight. Um, I've also worked with uh, uh, professional athletes who are in the big leagues right now. I've worked with college students who, you know, have a different psychology than what a middle, middle school kid would have. And I've also been uh, able to train with people that have multiple different cultures, different backgrounds. 
um, just last year, uh, in mid-fall, I was actually in Barcelona, Spain, training one of my online clients. So not a lot of people can, can say that, you know, and it sounds like a huge type of, oh my God, you go to Barcelona or train somebody and you're, you're from Chicago. And, but it's one of those things where you just, you, you meet people and you connect with people. When you meet and connect with people, it just, you build a certain type of bond with them. So those doors tend to open up for you. So here, I that's that's what I try to portray myself as. I, I'll do and I'll meet you right where you're at. Um, whether it's going on to the next level when it comes down to your sport performance, whether it's sport specific or whether you're an 80 pound woman who's trying to gain a good 30, 40 pounds, or if you're a morbidly obese person trying to lose 200 plus pounds. It's, it's, it's literally just, it's the science behind what we do at a facility or any fitness professional. Now, is it, the thing, go ahead. But is it difficult with all the, I guess, the dynamic training, like, I guess with the different age groups you're working with, body types, different goals? I, I guess, is there like a blueprint for each kind of thing? Or is it more or less dynamic to what you deem to be the fit for said individual? But one of the things that I tell all my clients or uh, potential clients is that um, everything that we do uh, has a blueprint. Anything in life as a blueprint, like the, you know, there's steps to writing a book, there's steps to creating a podcast, there's steps to to buying a home, there's steps to uh, applying for a, for a free job, and there's steps and a blueprint to succeed in an interview. So every everything that we have in this life has has a blueprint. But now it's about having a strategic blueprint that will allow you to be able to attain certain goals and meet certain quotas at a specific times. Yes, and when when it comes out to uh, working with different populations in the fitness industry. Um, there's a different psychology that you need to approach people with because you will have your people who will absorb just like a sponge and they will, they're will they literally doing every ounce of detail that you give them. They will run with that or if not exceed those, those standards and expectations. And then you have, you know, your certain, your certain population that you need to walk by the hand. But yet they can also be as successful as the people who are self-reliant. But it's just a matter of how you apply that blueprint into their lives. Not every blueprint works for everybody. You need to be able to learn on how to approach it in any practical, psychological way because it's not only a physical movement that you're doing, but there's a psychology behind the training that we do. And that's what I was trying to get at is that there's a difference between a personal trainer and a fitness professional. A personal trainer can just go to a two, three-day workshop over the weekend and you're officially certified as a personal trainer for the next two years. And then every two years, you need to revisit that, uh, that certification to renew it. But just to clarify, is that like that NASM, like dash CPT certification? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, okay. um, th there's many people who, you know, who have gone and not knocked down any of the certifications. There's great certifications. And if you're continually um, focusing on continu continuing education, you can get very far with those certifications. You can do so much with it. But, you know, you can't utilize a certification that you had and obtained over a weekend. And then try to go head to head with a person who has 20, 30 years of experience of doing this. Because along the, along the way of your career and this journey that you take as a fitness professional, you learn things. You learn psychological things about how to approach a human, how to work with somebody. Because at the end of the day, this is also customer service. The way we verbalize, the way we act, the way we portray ourselves. How do we, how do we mold ourselves to fit the individual need? And now a, first, a fitness professional is more along the lines of having multiple certifications, having a degree under their name, having you know tons of experience, not only in a, in a gym, but also outside of a gym setting. And they're able to provide a lot more in-depth detail and assistance than just a person who did get a two-day certification. See, and like, 
I'm not knocking on personal trainers. I'm friends with several of them, but I think it's more or less, I guess, the identity of what a personal trainer is that I have an issue with. Because like you were saying, a fitness professional, I feel like at least the layman's definition is just a more involved, full scope uh, life coach where fitness is like a centralized theme. Whereas um, a personal trainer is like in your life maybe a couple times a week for a few hours and it's like a very temporary thing and it doesn't hold you accountable or responsible to the goal that you're trying to achieve. Unless you're a very strong individual who can stick to that goal or aspiration. And there are those people out there, but you know, at the same time, those very same people, you know, might have a lot of other things going on in their life. And then they feel that they can cut the degree of accountability in one sector of their life being fitness to make up in those other realms. And I feel like that's where you need someone who's just more involved with your life. And I feel like you are as a fitness professional, which is why when you network and cultivate these relationships, these opportunities open up for you because you're not just a personal trainer. You're someone who's like truly investing in another person's well-being. Correct. So I, and, and I, I appreciate you, you, uh, you, you bring that up because the, the one thing that with a lot of my colleagues that I've worked with in the past or people that I even work with now, um, whether it's with any gym or outside of gym, people who are trying to build their online platforms, people who are trying to travel uh, throughout the, the, uh, the states and train people from outside of state or because one of the things that I, that I do, do, do truly believe is when you become stagnant and you settle for what you currently have at the very moment, you internally start withering away. And, you know, when there's lack of growth in your in your psychology and in your physical body, whether some form of progression, right, you either get a certification or you meet a certain physical milestone or you overcome certain adversities you have in your personal life or you're able to go from a personal trainer to opening up your own business, whatever the case may be. But there has to be some form of progress in what you're currently doing in life because everything that we do in life has a specific purpose for a greater purpose out there. And there has to be more to our lives and just working a nine to five job, living a mediocre life, going to the gym, leaving the gym, then going back home and repeating the same cycle for the next 30, 40 years. And there's a psychology, man. There's a psychology behind, you know, what fitness professionals do and what people who are truly involved in their clientele's lives um, that, that there is. So the psychology behind it is more of an innovative approach to any type of service that you can possibly give to someone because once you're able to attain and captivate the human mind and you're able to connect the mind to the physical body the progress is so much smoother the transition to the next step of who you're meant to be physically is so much smoother you go into the gym with a different mindset so one of the things that uh, determines whether you're going to succeed in a gym or not and when i say succeed it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to meet your goal within the next 90 days as everyone's challenging themselves to do but it's more of longevity um, a lot of people, they, they, they want to go into the gym for a short term. And then after that short term is over, they start getting discouraged because they're not seeing the results. Beach bodies, baby. Beach bodies. Right. And then I'm out. Give me the fucking white claws, the variety pack. Yeah, man. Bad <laughs> bots are starting to come in again, man, especially during this quarantine. So people are starting to get comfortable again. But the thing is, you know, one of, one of the things is how do you see, you know, uh, walking into a, a facility how do you see that as being in your life? What do I mean by that? People, as human beings, we tend to try to push away from pain as much as possible, and we try to gain pleasure as much as possible. It's either pain or pleasure for us as, as human beings on a psychological basis. So when we view something as painful, 
even if it may be a positive, a lot of people, they come into the gym, they, they get very intimidated by what they see, the people they see walking around. There's many people who might be in a, in a very athletic uh, physique, which is perfectly fine. Everyone has different levels. So when people see that, there's some form of intimidation or uh, insecurity issues where when they come in here, they have a sense of discomfort and when they see that they see pain because they start connecting the gym to a painful experience every time they come in whether it's comparison to the body or not being able to do certain things like oh my god my body hurts and it's so sore the next day why would anyone want to do this and then you see your your, your crowd of people who sometimes come into the gym two three times a day early in the morning or not late in the evening and you see these people on top of their game and you see them you know getting the results they seem very motivated where they're taking classes or you see them working out by the weight room or on the cardio machines and you're like holy hell these people are freaking like they're so involved they're so you know psychotically involved in this they're so obsessed with the gym like what is it and it's that momentum because now they're linking pleasure to the gym when they come into the gym it's a pleasure to them it's an escape to them from from whatever reality they may be experiencing outside of these four walls so when you connect something that you're doing for yourself whether it may be temporarily physically painful or pleasurable when you connect it to some, to a positive thought you are able to attain so much more and you have that anchor thought that would allow you to have that momentum and gain momentum as the, the ball rolls but the moment that you lose that momentum and you bring that ball to a halt that's when things start getting extremely difficult because having that momentum rolling in your life is so easy but once that completely slows down or stops that's when it, it takes a lot of willpower and it takes a lot of psychological training to yourself to boost that back up and once again regain that passion that you once had. But when we have this a determination to follow through no matter what and we have that no matter what mentality, even though physically and emotionally we may not feel like it, but when we have that discipline, you will be able to continue rolling with, with that. And I think that's one of the things that as fitness professionals, we're able to offer people. We're able to help them not only physically train their bodies, but you know, we're not psychologists. We're able to help people kind of walk them by the hand on a psychological basis and a physical basis. Um, because along along the lines, man, we're going to have those moments that we need to have some form of accountability from, from the outside source. We can't all do it on our own. And that's where my belief comes of as human beings, we're not we're not meant to go through life. Have you been approached by any clients during the quarantine? Because now we're isolated to our homes. So essentially the same space. For some of us, we can work remotely. So it turns into our workspace. It's also our living space. And like, as I mentioned earlier, it also turns out to our workout space. So with all these emotions and moods now attached to one centralized space, do your clients find it difficult to separate well, I guess to separate and be able to like associate like those terms of joy now, like not only with their home and being able to relax, but that joy and release from, you know, being the gym. But then at the same time, it's also that stressful place of being our workspace as well. Has that been something you've been approached with yet? I have actually. And, you know, my, my clients have tried working something out with me as far as meeting up, meeting somewhere or doing house calls or finding any facility that's open at the very moment because they want to escape what they are currently encountering. And that's having everything, all their entire life being overloaded into one place where they're supposed to call home. But now when you have every aspect of life just bearing down at that one place that you once found peace at, you can literally be in a, in a moment of your life where you have a lot of uncertainty of what's to come next. I feel one of the things that has and why 
it's caused a lot of clients and even people in general, the general public to kind of freak out is because we got so accustomed to a certain lifestyle. Always on the go, always on the go, always always going to point A to point B to point C to point D and just so on and so forth. There's no pausing, there's no rest, there's no mindfulness, there's no time to just catch up with your own thoughts. You're, you're going all over the place. Your brain is racing through the, through, through the your entire day and your body's barely starting to keep up. Your energy levels are starting to drop and fluctuate because you have so many emotions. Think in your head that you're multitasking, but in reality, you're actually doing more damage to yourself. Um, multitasking is a thing that we believe is so effective, but yet so damaging to the human brain because we're meant to focus on one thing at a time. And when we're able to instill all of our energy at to one thing at a time, we're able to do so much more and actually execute at a, at a more optimal level than spreading ourselves out very thin. So now we get this opportunity, you know, thanks to quarantine and thanks to everything that's going on with this virus, we, we get more time to ourselves. And now the dust, start, the dust is starting to settle. And now you're starting to become this person that's alone with their own thoughts. And to a lot of people, being alone with your own thoughts it be a very scary thing because you're so used to the dysfunction. You're so used to the high speed of life. Now that everything slows down, you don't know what to do with yourself. You have so much physical adrenaline running through your body because it got so molded and accustomed to the specific lifestyle. So one of the things that, um, that I'm working with on with my clients is uh, their psychology, practicing a little bit more mindfulness, practicing a little bit more of gratitude, you know, Today, you know, I, I would text my clients and ask them, like, today, what, what is it that you're grateful for? It can't be the same thing as yesterday. There has to be a different thing every day, maybe two, three items on the list, and a why. There always has to be a why behind your what, because you can always just state a what and list out very long things, uh, list out a very, very long list of things, and you just really don't have any type of emotional attachment to it. But when you start listing out the what's and you start inserting the why's behind it, you literally have to sit there and think, why? Why am I grateful for this? And That's when interesting. When I wake up every morning, because, I mean, you know I'm a diabetic, mm-hmm. but I have an insulin pump. And I literally take time to put both my hands on it and I just say thank you. But I don't put a why behind it always. I think that's something I'm going to start. Well, I just I feel like that's so inspiring just because it's not like – uh, what's the word? Arbitrary. It's not like an arbitrary, like, hey, yeah, you know, this is cool that I have you. Thanks. Yeah. But like just acknowledging why it means something to you, why it brings value to you. I, I just found that like really insightful. All right. How long have you uh, been doing that for? About 10 months or so. And I do it actually with a lot of inanimate objects just because like, you know, I feel like they have a quote unquote life of their own, which is the purpose that they serve. And if you're not using them to their purpose, then I feel like, you know, they like they're not fulfilled. Like, I know this is some woo woo shit I'm talking right now, but like, that's just how I feel, which is why I'm like really big on donation. If I'm not using something for what it's worth, like I want someone else to get the worth out of it. I think that's why I try to like exercise the gratitude of things more and kind of going back to what we were saying about how we were always so used to the go, go, go. Like in the last decade, how many stores have we seen like extend their hours into the weekend and then extend their weekend hours? Like just think about that on a commerce level. Like that's all ingrained in our psyche. I remember growing up and you see like on a Saturday, like a bunch of cars lined up outside in someone's home just for a barbecue or something. 
I don't even see that as often anymore. And like, I bring it up to my friends all the time. I'm like, you know, I'm pretty sure one, and I'm not like a religious person by any means, but like, you know, isn't there a, like a commandment, like love thy neighbor and something about knowing thy neighbor. And it's like, fuck, do you even know who your neighbors are anymore? Like shit. (laughs) How did you get into personal training? Milton? This started back in, um, what was Birthday. in 2010 2011 man in in high school um i well let me start off from the very beginning i guess i was an overweight kid growing up and i'm, I'm pretty sure that's a pretty cliche typical response from anyone who's involved in the industry now or there must have been some time some type of health related issue or something inspired within the family that pushed them to do uh this type of uh, line of work but yeah man i was i was a pretty weird overweight kid growing up and the bullying and the getting picked on and you know the older I got you know now now it was no longer the bullying now it was getting rejected by girls that I liked you know and whenever a girl would date me she would date me out of a dare um so that's fucking rough yeah, I'd rather them just tell me no imagine being a fifth grader man and you ask a girl out and you know you're a fifth grader you know when, when you when you're dating someone in fifth grade or sixth grade or seventh grade it's it's something very innocent. You don't, you're not really thinking of like, oh, I'm going to impregnate you and get you pregnant. No, you're thinking of like, oh, I just want you to be my girlfriend. You're very pretty. So imagine being that age and then like a week later, she breaks up with you in front of the whole class and tells you the only reason I dated you was because they said they were going to give me a peck of candy if I lasted a whole week with you. And then in front of the whole class, she just dumps you. And then like she gets handed a whole bag of candy. Like it was one of those things, you know? And um, I'm not a misogynist, but what a bitch. <laughs> What a fifth grade bitch, right? Dude, for a bag of candy? Like, I would have at least, like, raised the stakes higher. I'd have been like, you got to give me, like, a pack of fucking, like, what was that? Uh, what was that gum? Like, that really long gum? Like, I'm, I keep thinking fruit by the foot, but that's not it. And it's not hubba bubba. But you know that bubble gum? Like, that long ass tape bubble gum? Oh, like, yeah. I, I would need a package of that shit every week for a year. Like, no man, some of these women are shallow. Even at a young age, they're shallow, man. Um, no man, from there, I just I, I transitioned. You know, went to high school. The first three years, I was still overweight. I I hit a three hundred point, three hundred pound point my sophomore year, and one day I looked in the mirror. I'm like, holy hell, I'm wearing a forty four waist, and I'm wearing a three four X t shirt. This is not who I want to be the rest of my life. I didn't want to walk down a hallway in high school and start sweating my ass off. You know, it, it wasn't a good look, man. So I um. I, I joined the football team, and that little by little started getting me involved in some form of, you know, movement, fitness, you know, becoming more of an athletic type of person. And I liked it. I liked the culture of, you know, being involved in a sport. And, you know, at the time, the ladies loved the guys who were involved in sports. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to do this for a girl. And fortunately, fortunately that, um, that landed me a, a very beautiful woman in high school who, you know, we lasted a good amount of time together, four or five years almost. But that also ended up ended in a heartbreak where um, after I graduated high school and I went off to college, she ended up uh, we ended up breaking up. It was it was a very toxic relationship towards the end. There was a lot of uh, lack of trust, and um, she ended up marrying my best friend and had two kids with her. So uh, that kind of also pushed me towards the edge on a lot of things. So as the pattern is it go, best friend at the time is he still your best friend now? Yeah, just, you know what's funny, man? I actually when I found out that they started dating, it, I think I was just so over the relationship that I was like, I just didn't care. It was one of those things like, you know what, man, you want to date her? That's fine. It's not a big deal to me, man. You're, you're still cool. But he, it was him. He was the one who was actually 
madly like just upset towards me the, the entire time. He just like he wouldn't give me like he wouldn't speak to me. So that that kind of confused me on why it is that he was giving me the cold shoulder when I, I should have been it should have been my ass all over all over that case. But you know you know life happens, man, and you learn so much from it. And as looking back at it now, man, I uh, there, there's a pattern there, and I've noticed that whenever I hit my my lowest, fitness or some form of physical movement was always there. And instead of running to other, you know, substances or towards other women or towards people or towards, you know, toxic and negative environments, I ran to fitness. I ran to the gym. I ran to some form of activity. So my senior year in high school, I remember um, I wasn't doing so hot because, you know, I was too far from being in a relationship. Back then, they used to have these clubs open. Uh, there's, there's, uh, there was two clubs that I would go to in high school. And remind this was like between 2005 to 2010. So between those times, once I hit the age of 17, 18, which was what, 2007, 2008, 9, I, um, we, I would go to this uh, club called Warehouse, and then I would go to this really broken down place that, fortunately, now it's gone, Zero Gravity. I'm not sure you know, you might know. Oh my God, no way, Zero Gravity? Me and my homie were just talking about that shit the other day, and that's wild. Yeah, man. So I was just too caught up in that life in high school. So the fact that those that those doors were open for high schoolers, I just lost it, and at it just that was that was my life. So my my senior year in high school, you know, I, I was still graduating. I still had all my all my credits, but all my buddies they were you know getting scholarships to colleges. They were getting full rides, and I just had to pay out of pocket. So what I did was my senior year of high school, I started going to try in college for an A certification to become a personal trainer once I graduated. So once I graduated high school. I was already, you know, in my second semester of college, so it was kind of like in your face, you know, college uh, scholarship students. But I, I, I went for that, and then I, I applied a little bit more, and I started focusing a little bit more on psychology and uh, exercise science um, in college. Um, I actually got my start at a Bally Total Fitness um, when they were still around. Um, when then obviously it tra that transitioned into an LA Fitness when LA Fitness bought out Bally's. Um, after that, I, uh, I moved up to a different company, which is uh, Lifetime Fitness in Bloomingdale. Uh, that's where I actually learned a lot of my professionalism. Um, at age, what, 19, 20 years old, I was working at a Lifetime Fitness where a lot of the people who were working there had bachelor's degrees, who had master's degrees. So I was the youngest guy there with zero to slim experience. But something just wasn't clicking, man. Something was just not clicking. And... I felt like I was just burning out and I was getting the short, short end of the stick. And once again, because I wasn't, I wasn't applying, you know, what I should have been applying to uh, to my job then, to what I'm doing now. There, I had no idea on the psychology of training. I had no idea what I was doing with my marketing. I had no idea what the, the business aspect of, of, of PT was. I just, I, just wanted, I was just the guy who wanted to train people, make them feel good and help them lose weight. But I was utilizing the same blueprint for everybody. I was, you know, uh, I had the same mentality for everyone. I just didn't understand why people weren't motivated because I was so naive. I was so new to the game that it just, it, it, it didn't give me a good name. So from there, man, I, I, I just pulled away and I got involved in law enforcement. Uh, law enforcement was a, uh, was a, a, a special, I would say period of my life that um, I guess taught me a lot and helped me make the connections that I needed to make in order to be where I'm at currently at this very moment. Um, but if we want to link it to fitness, I will say that in the midst of me being involved in law enforcement, I actually 
got involved in trying to create my online business because there was a time, you know, between 2010 and maybe 2015 that, you know, Instagram was huge, Facebook was, was becoming big, and social media platforms were becoming a new thing to for people to create businesses on. YouTube was also starting to skyrocket as well, and there's a lot of things that people were utilizing to promote, to market to businesses. And I was just, you know, I was just a guy who, you know, was starting to become in his mid-20s and trying to figure out how this online business started to work. And it's, it just started off as a, let's see, and it started off as a little mini project that I wanted to do. And most of my marketing, man, was just, you know, pictures of my workouts and, you know, a list of things that I offered to the community. And it, it, I didn't have a vision of, oh, one day I want to travel outside of the States or one day I want to travel outside of the country. It was mainly of, like, all right, maybe I can get Joe Schmo from down the block to sign up for my online coaching or I can start doing these classes outside for some extra cash. And I remember, man, when I when I first set set into that and I posted up my 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 uh, opportunities on social media for for you know my Facebook friends or anyone who had me on social media to look into. I remember that day I uh, I called off of work. I was just in a, in a really really weird funk um, during that time, and this was between 2015 and 2016. My uh, my father got diagnosed with cancer uh, during that time, and you know I was losing my I was losing the man. Um, um, during that time. So I remember just called off of work and I was just in my own little weird headspace uh, playing some PS4, but the ads were already starting to run on social media when it came down to my online programs. And I remember four hours later, man, four hours later after just being done with the video games, I picked up my phone and I had a lot of notifications via email, via uh, QuickPay, PayPal, and all these apps that, you know, you know, people can pay you through. And I, I talk, I'm not kidding, man. I was sitting on my couch, and when I looked at my bank account, I had about around four grand that came in flowing into my bank account in a matter of maybe minutes, maybe an hour, maybe two hours, maybe the whole entire four hours. I was sitting down playing my my PS4, and that's when it clicked. You know, like holy hell! Like I literally half-assed what I just posted online. It was just a picture of me flexing, and like five, six things that I that I listed that I provide, and I was able to attain this you know this much money on my ass playing ps4 and i think that's when something clicked and of what if i what if i were to actually put in every ounce of energy every ounce of everything that i've learned what if i were to invest more money into you know learning materials business materials marketing materials so i can figure out on how to grow this and maybe one day i won't have to you know work a nine to five anymore that was my thing, man. That, that's one thing that I've always wanted to avoid, you know, trading time for money. Because if you really think about it, man, there's a lot of people out there who, you know, even though they make 30, 40 bucks an hour or people who make 10, 12 dollars an hour, when you look at it on a bigger, grander scale, man, trading an hour of your day for even 40 bucks, that's us literally saying, yes, my life is worth $40 for that one hour. Fucking preach. One hour. A day is worth X amount of dollars. Your time is worth X amount of dollars. And if you really think about it, when it comes down to longevity, as far as your personal lifespan, on an average an average human being lives anywhere between, what, 70 to 77 years or so. So you're trading time for money for, you know, for 30, 40 years. And then once you get to the end of the line and you retire, you have no energy to want to do anything. So there must have been, a, there, there must be a different way. There must be something else that we can personally do to make money. And still have the time in the world to do as you please, whether it's spending time with your family, figuring yourself out, traveling, yeah. whatever the case may be, right? So I ran with the online business, 
with the online platform. And I started, you know, I started studying, man. I started doing my homework and I started, uh, I started focusing a little bit more on, you know, just branding and bringing my name up. And during that time, I was also doing a lot of public speaking gigs, which also allowed me to present myself to the community and work with the younger generation as well. Uh, in the midst of that, uh, I was, you know, trying to look out for my mental health during that time. And I know there was a period of time where, you know, uh, law enforcement was really getting uh, was getting bashed by uh, the outside view, by people, uh, you know, having a bad perspective of who police officers were. So I, I started seeing a lot of a lot of things in the news about police officers being killed, a lot of people being killed off duty and just, you know, the suicide rates within police officers and, you know, the toxicity within relationships and marriages of police officers. And I put myself in a, in a position where I realized that even though it's an amazing job and I loved it, it's something that I didn't want to do long term, only just to protect my mental health and just be able to have a healthier relationship with a future family that I do wish they have one day. Um, but I just didn't know what to do because I was just too scared to rely on my online business out of the uncertainty of not knowing what's to come, right? Because I'm the type of guy who needs some form of certainty. I thrive on certainty, even though I, I should probably have a balance between uncertainty and certainty. I'm the type of person who needs certainty, which is why it's really hard for me to um, take certain steps in life. And whenever I do take those steps, man, you best believe I spent hours trying to, trying to convince myself to take that step. And coincidentally, that's when UFC gym opened up. And I came in as a member. I just wanted to check the gym out. I uh, I was a fan of boxing since I was the age of 15. I've been boxing since I was 15. Um, competitively, not so much. I mainly did that maybe the first two years of my life. Uh, when I started at age 15, after that, I was just doing more for sports. Um, uh, so I, I joined the UFC gym because they had gym equipment. They had multiple classes, and it was a pretty good rate for me in my mind, right? Um, but I... You know, I met I met the owners. I met you know uh, the the jiu-jitsu coaches at the time, and you know I, I kind of got to picking their brains on you know you know how they like their their jobs here and the culture here and it's different. And that's when they introduced me to the owners. Um, and I actually sat down with one of the owners one day and just you know just talking crap to each other, just talking to just getting to know each other a little bit more. And when I got a feel for the culture. And I got offered a position here. You know, I I felt very uncomfortable coming back to a facility um, because I, I would feel that once again, kind of like what you brought up in the, in the beginning, like I felt like I was regressing. You know, I, I felt like I was going back to square one when I should have been already, where, you know, at a higher level. I should have been a coach who traveled the world and traveled the states. And, you know, he's not tied down to one specific place. But the opportunity that I got to work uh, through and with UFC Gym was an opportunity that I couldn't, I couldn't let go of. Um, I got, got into a position where I was, you know, if this doesn't make anyone uncomfortable, I was actually making a little bit better money than when I was a police officer. And I'm wearing PJs to work. So who can say that, hey, I, I get to go to work every day, you know, work with people, train with people on a psychological and physical level, work out myself, wear PJs to work, interact with people you know, interact with people that you care about, that you really like. You get to eat whenever you want. You get to nap whenever you want. You get to work PJs to work, and you still make a decent amount of, decent amount of money. Hit heavy bags versus potentially getting shot at. Exactly. I think it's a very easy decision for me, but I'm not everybody. Ooh, shit. Hit with that deep cut. All right. Well, this episode so far with Milton's pretty excited. I'm really excited now, though, for debuting the segment Deep Cuts. Again, just for all my listeners, uh, it's a story that our interviewers are going to share with us that 
was a defining moment in their lives that they consider to be integral that they don't necessarily advertise to everyone. So, hope you love our debut segment with Milton. 2016, my dad was admitted to the hospital because he was diagnosed with cancer and he was in and out of the hospital when finally towards the mid, mid-year 2016, he, wasn't, he went into hospice. So, finally, a couple months go by in August 25th, 2016, comes around at 10.15 p.m. at night, comes around and I lose my father. He, he dies in my hands at, in the hospital. Um, from that moment, man, I felt that a part of me died with him. And I um, I just felt that I needed to adjust to a new normal, but I didn't know how to. I, I, I've never experienced some type of this type of loss. Um, so the only thing that I had going for me as far as trying to stay strong was doing it for my mom, for my mother. Because she was also a mess. Um, so... It, a couple months went down, went, went went by, and she just couldn't take it anymore. So she decided to move back to her country. My mother's from Mexico. So she moved to Mexico to be with her friends, her family, and just get away from, from the U.S. and from us. So she can clear her head. And in the midst of that, I remember transitioning into 2017. I, uh, I get a phone call. I remember one day that my mom had uh, suffered a heart attack. So they were trying to stabilize her. And... Um, the first flight back, the first flight that she could get back to Chicago, she got her first flight back. And in the moment that we admitted her to the hospital, she had two more heart attacks. So this woman survived three heart attacks, but she had to get three, uh, double bypass heart surgery. So, oh, wow. so now in, in the midst of, uh, this 68 year old, 69 year old lady at the time, having to, having to encounter that, the, you know, the chances of her actually surviving were slim, and the, and if she did survive, she was going to survive with some type of mental health issue uh, due to it. But fortunately, and you know, you know, at least for me, it's you know, glory to God, right? Um, she pulled through, and after months of recovery, months of therapy, months of, of doctor appointments, and months of like being at bed rest. Um, she was able to recover and get back on her feet once again. And you have a mother who's still alive, and that's one of your aspirations on making her proud because now you're, the other person that you were trying to make proud, which is your father, has, has gone. You can no longer do this. So now you, you want to do double amount for that one parent that's left remaining. I had to book myself down and literally do what I could to um, make myself into a better person and um, heal from a lot of the crap that I had to encounter. Here comes the Cornerman Council. When you surround yourself with people who have winning mentalities or similar mentalities or people who have mentalities that are a lot more advanced than you, allow, the, allow those people to marinate in your life because those people will literally push you to the next level of life. Stop hanging out with people that you intimidate and start hanging out with people that intimidate you and you will see your life transform in the next 90 days, 6 months, or even up to the year. So that's what I have, my man. That's what I have today. All right, Milton. Thanks, man, for the chat. I really appreciate it, dude. Uh, I uh, I got to know you a bit more intimately than I ever thought I would, and that's even after sharing a couple shots with you. So hopefully we get to do another podcast episode. I really love the things that you have to say. I love to hear your stories. Um, for all of our listeners out there who want to support the Chicago Hope Project or you as a coach, where can we find you? Uh, well, um, if you want to connect as far as volunteer work, community service hour work, and just want to be able to get back to your community, you can always find me at uh, on Facebook again, uh, Milton M. Alvarez, or on 
uh, Instagram at Milton12MA. And from there, I can always redirect you to our Instagram page for the Chicago Hope Project. Um, as far as uh, coaching-related items, again, you can find me on social media. Or if you want to do a walk-in to the facility, whenever we reopen up, uh, you can always find me at uh, the UC Gym uh, Yorktown location in Lombard, Illinois. And then again, your handle is again just Milton yeah, Milton A12. Yeah, yeah, Milton 12 M. Uh, Milton 12 MA. All right, and that's about episode four with Milton Alvarez. Thanks again for tuning in, everybody. I love the continued support. It makes it so much more fun for me. It also helps give me a greater exposure to more guests I can bring on and share their stories. So please keep liking, sharing, and subscribing this podcast to your friends. If you know anyone who's in the MMA industry, fitness industry, wellness industry, that you think would have a good story to be on the podcast, please be sure to share this with them. Have them reach out to me on Instagram, either at my personal handle, at Blake Abetes, B-L-A-K-E-Y-B-E-T-E-S, or at MM Altogether Podcast. Again, that's at MM Altogether Podcast. You can find us on Instagram as well as Twitter with that same handle. If you'd like to email the show, you can email MM altogether podcast at gmail.com and you can reach out to me on any of those means for show bookings questions comments feedback etc i'd love to hear from you all i'd love to hear from you all i can see that you're tuning in and listening so i know you're out there reach back out to me let's see what we can do to make and improve this community even better uh, next week's episode features Christian Medina. He's an owner and coach at Champion Taekwondo. His father has actually trained some Taekwondo Olympic competitors. So we discuss a lot of cool stories in that episode. So please stay tuned next week. Uh, I'm going to start trying to release two episodes a week. I know I did the first week. I think the second episode isn't going to be an interview with a guest, more so kind of an individual piece to cover the you know, news in the MMA world because that's one of the core concepts of this podcast and I just really love talking MMA. So thanks again, everybody. Hope you're enjoying your quarantine. Remember, peace, understanding, love, and positivity, not just to your loved ones, to your friends, to your social circle, to everyone. We all need a bit more compassion during these times. I love you all so much. Thanks again. Now, the Vita Zane, baby.